Well, we're going to continue our message from last week on the love of God. Love of God. And uh, I don't want to do a 16-week series, but I think if I titled it, I would call it Love's 16. Love's 16. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, it actually there are 16 distinct descriptions about love. 16 distinct descriptions about love that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let's begin by reading 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8. And I'm going to read the King James, but I'm going to, instead of saying charity, I'm going to say love for ease of understanding. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself. Or it's not puffed up, you could say. It's not full of its own importance, one translation says. Uh, and then it's not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. That's other translations say, love is not rude. Yeah. Uh, seeks not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Love never fails. I want to reread the quote I started with last week from Henry Drummond, who said, if we try to influence or elevate others, we'll soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. You know, if... If I was going to like rewrite what he said, I would say it's successful in proportion to their belief of our belief of the power of God in them. Because this is divine love, meaning this love is God and originates from God. And he is the source and the supply of this love because this is what he is. First John chapter 4 says God is love or the Greek word agape. Now, I love, if you don't like Greek words, you know, well, just uh, have mercy on me today. Because when I talk about love, I, I really like to read it, even myself, agape, because love has so many different meanings. Like I said last week, you know, I, I love a good T-bone steak, right? I love good weather. We say all these type of things, but really you're, we're kind of diminishing uh, the power of those words. So agape suffers long and is kind. Agape envies not. Agape vaunts not itself, is not puffed up. Agape does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Uh, agape never fails. So if we try to influence or elevate others, we will soon see that, that our endeavor is successful in proportion to our belief, their belief of our belief in them. To respect a man is the first restoration of the self-respect that he has lost. You try to live life uh, under your own strength and your own power, uh, you'll have trouble with self-respect. Because why? You're not perfect. You will fail. There's nothing quite as self-defeating as putting everything you have into it, you know, apart from the Lord's help. And you gave it all you had, and you still failed. You think, what? What am I made of? 
Well, you try to do it apart from Christ, you'll find out real quick. There's an end to human strength, to human reasoning, to human intellect. But with God, there is no end. He is from everlasting, which is already forever, right? To everlasting. What that character say? Infinity and beyond. <laughs> Toy Story, right? I have children. Love never fails. And so we talked last week, uh, I want to recap and then, we'll, and then we'll go on to the next one, that love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Over in um, verse 5, it says, Love acts not unseemly or improperly, seeks not the things of its own, is not quickly provoked. We may get to that today. Reckons not evil. Love reckons not evil. So uh, I was studying that the other day, and I found out, like, um, I think I know what evil is. Evil means, like, you're, like, a murderer or you're just, like, you know, ISIS or, you know, something, you know, and uh, bad things, very bad, extreme bad. And then when I looked up evil in the dictionary for the Greek word for it was kakos, and here's the first part of the definition. I actually shared this with Pastor Mark and Trenna Hankins, who were at Front Royal this, this past week. And uh, uh, they are like, I, I had no idea that's the first part of the definition. So I was ignorant, just like them. <laughs> Kekos indicates a lack in a person or thing of those qualities which should be possessed. Well, in other words, what? God did not create man evil. Everything he created, that's, that's very good, he said. The earth, the fullness, everything, including mankind. Well, man sinned and then, you know, uh, got an evil nature. But God did not create us evil. So it indicates the lack in a person or thing of those qualities which should be possessed. So love does not reckon or account or count up in someone lack in that person of the qualities which they should have. So that's a great scripture for me as a pastor, right? Because you think like, well, uh, they've been hearing the word for this long, or they've been to Bible school, or, or here, there, whatever. How could they be acting that way? Well, not just me as a pastor, but you have a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father. What about your parents? <laughs> right? Well, they've been on this earth how long? He still treats mom that way. Mom still treats him that way. Well, love uh, doesn't count up lack in a person or thing of the qualities which should be possessed. In other words, yeah, you may be accurate. By now, they shouldn't be acting that way. By now, you know, when I was a child, I thought as a child. I reasoned as a child, Paul said, but I grew up. Yeah. Well, you, you should have maybe grown up by now, but a lot of people haven't. If you like to observe people, you'll find real quick that... Uh, pretty much most people are children. They just have different looking bodies. <laughs> and what you find it most is when you're disciplining your own children and trying to train them in the right direction. You say, you know, you're thinking like, why would you do that? And then maybe you get like a little flashback <laughs> of something you did last week. And you're like, oh, it's possible that was modeled in front of you. <laughs> Most generally, children uh, reflect what they see. 
more than what uh, just the words you say. So reckon's not evil. Reckon is like an accounting term. If you're an accountant, you're counting up and you care about every little penny. You care about, even if it's not, like a penny for most people is not significant in today's day and age. But it's significant to an accountant. Because that penny could mean there's a lot of other things. If that's off, a lot of other things are off. So uh, it means to reckon, to deliberate, and so to suppose, or to account. So love does not deliberate and suppose the lack in a person of those qualities which should be possessed. So in other words, you may, you may find you have a relationship with someone and you're kind of like, why are they doing that? Well, that should just be a passing thought. And you just say, well, I just plead the blood of Jesus over them. You give them the same grace that you would want because uh, we all make mistakes and do things we don't even realize that we're doing. Or maybe we do realize it and we're reacting to pressure and we know we shouldn't be reacting to the pressure that way, but none of us are perfect. And so, you know, you reap what you sow is not just to do with money. If you sow judgment, you better get ready for some judgment coming your way. But Jesus said, if you sow mercy, you got mercy coming your way. Well, God's a God of mercy, so how in the world, if he's a God of mercy, did I do something funny? Okay. Oh. Uh, if God's a God of mercy, why doesn't it just automatically happen? Well, he said, if you're not merciful to other people, don't expect me to be merciful to you. Well, God's a good God. But you kind of got to let, you know, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit. You have to let the Spirit of God flow those rivers right through you. There was a, a song back in the 90s, I think it was, about blessed, it's called blessed to be a blessing. You know, live under an open heaven. I'm blessed. And that you let uh, finances flow through you, not just to you. So we're blessed to be a blessing, not just in financial areas, but in, in many areas. And so reckons not evil means you're not deliberating, thinking about. And when somebody does something, especially if um, it cuts to your heart, the action that they've done. Now, I can cut to your heart because you have a close relationship with them, or it can cut to your heart because of the subject matter. So I have for, um, I don't even know how many years now, six, nine, 15, six, seven, eight, about almost 20 years, I've been on staff at a ministry, some form, shape, or fashion. And so when we would hire people at the ministry, then I would always, uh, in the interview normally, uh, pretty quickly on, I talk to them about working in church or working for a ministry. Because a lot of people's impression is that when you work for a church or a ministry, that what your week is, is uh, you know, you're praying for seven hours a day and studying the word for an hour you know, a day and maybe 15 or 20 minutes you're doing some administrative work. And uh, it's called uh, the work of the ministry. Paul called it that for a reason. <laughs> so I started pastoring a church and went to Bible school and they, they said, you know, you might have to, you have to be content to clean the toilet. 
I don't know if I've cleaned a toilet in the ministry yet. So I'm expecting to clean toilets. I clean lots of toilets in the military. <laughs> Some really nasty toilets, let me tell you. Like, hey, this hadn't been used for a long time, but somebody had used it. And so, so I didn't expect that. But so I'm here pastoring this church, and like I'm learning like weight distributing hitch, how to tow the trailer, like rotating the tires on the trailer. All this stuff, and then I'm doing accounting and trying to figure out all the numbers and all of that stuff, and then purchasing and like a little bit of everything. And um, I like to be expertise, and that's really hard when you have everything. And uh, praise the Lord, he's, uh, I've got the grace of God. But you, in ministry, whether you're serving as paid staff or not paid staff, it's a unique opportunity to get offended. Because it's, if you're a believer of any quality, if your life with the Lord means anything to you, well, then you have some passion concerning the things of God. And you want to, like, pursue it. And when something gets put on your heart, if it's not, maybe it's not the right time, maybe it's not the right place, doesn't fit into that vision. And I've watched many people kind of put it out there. And then if there's any uh, rejection whatsoever, even if it's just, oh, uh, we're not going to do that for like three months. We're actually going to do it. Uh, people get really uh, offended easily. Their heart, it cuts to their heart. And then they'll start to reckon evil. They'll start to deliberate and supposing and thinking upon a matter and taking account of its character. But if they really heard from God, then they would know this is from God. Instead of believing the best. So, uh, like Drummond said, you know, when you believe, someone believes in you, you know someone believes in you. Man, you can do things you didn't think you could do. Because they just believe in you. And when someone believes in you and you're, you're having a tough time and you tripped and fell... You know, I have a, a acquaintance who tripped and fell recently. And man, I would say probably 80% of the people around them like try to kick them while they're down. That's appalling to me. When, when you make a mistake, especially when you're like repentant about it, you know, that's the time... You need to show the most love to someone. You say, hey, I'm going to go through this with you. I love you. I've messed up in areas. I'm here for you. Rather than just, you know, it's amazing. Believers, believers being uh, yielding to hate instead of love. Well, you know you're operating with the wrong spirit. God is love. He is love. In fact, when his spirit, when you're born again, his spirit comes to live on the inside of you. When his spirit comes to live on the inside of you, Romans 5.5 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by that spirit, his spirit coming inside of us. What does that mean? That means like overflowing, too much love. You can't have too much, right? But too much love, overflowing, overwhelming, springing up on the inside of us. That's the love of God. But if you don't, like I said the story about, I think it was last week, about the lady that thought she hated her mother-in-law, but she really didn't. Well, she's not living 
with the understanding of who she has been recreated into. Yeah, that's good. Love is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. And the Holy Spirit within brings that love and sheds it in our hearts, just pours it into our hearts. So reckons not evils does not deliberate and suppose or count up the wrongs done and does not think upon the matter or the person as if what's wrong with them, why are they acting like this? I put, uh, when I was meditating on it, My own children sometimes, when they are under the influence of the enemy, <laughs> which has happened once in their life, you know. <laughs> what happens? They, you know what they do? Probably the same thing as an adult does. They put evil motives on every person. Well, they did this because they're trying to get me. They're trying to make me look bad. Or they're, they're trying to hurt me. Why? Because that's their defense mechanism. They're trying to protect themselves. So even in that, you see people that, that you could easily uh, account up what they're doing and suppose and deliberate about it. Well, just go a little step further in Christian maturity and understand people would not act like that if they knew how not to or if they weren't under that pressure or if they would just yield to the Spirit of the Lord. People act like that because they're trying to do the will of God under the power of flesh and in the realm of reason. Especially if you're supposing, like, how, how could they act like that? I can't believe they're doing that. They know better than that. Well, that should be a clear indication. They're under the influence of the enemy. They got a barrage of thoughts uh, Kenneth Hagin said, anytime you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil is working on you. I had a, another acquaintance recently, about a month and a half ago. And uh, you ever speaking to someone, and you know you can just tell in your spirit, something not right about this. You know, what they're saying makes sense all right. And sounds scriptural and sounds biblical. But if you check in your spirit, you're kind of like, hmm. That's not quite, something's off there. So I had this conversation with this person, and, and uh, that's what happened. And then about two days later, I got light on the, uh, on the situation, and I realized what was happening to them. And they were kind of like, well, everyone at church, they don't even live in this state, so don't try to figure out who it is. Like, so, uh, you know, everyone at my church is a hypocrite. They're just all like accusing me of this and all this type of stuff, and they're all a bunch of hypocrites. And uh, they, they had served in ministry, and I said, uh, so we're having this discussion. And, uh, you know, so I haven't even been going to church, you know, because people at churches are hypocrites. And I said, well, I said, you used to teach like just the opposite of that. I said, the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And I got kind of stern with the person. <laughs> and I said, this is what the Bible says. And I realized the devil was working on them. And what I have noticed is when people get out of fellowship with the Lord, the way the devil will many times do it is they'll feel mistreated and their actual perception and actual belief, they let the flesh get too much power. So they actually believe uh, 
yeah, this is how everybody is. But if they would look in their spirit, they'd find the spirit of God's not with that. They're, they're kind of out on their own. But they're not going to the spirit because why? Well, when you get injured or you feel injured, you want to fight back. So they're trying to fight back in the power of the flesh instead of yielding to God. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 for just a second. I keep knocking this over. Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. Actually, I love Romans because um, I grew up Bible quizzing on Romans. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is, or excuse me, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But don't put a period there. Who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Well, what's going to happen? Well, if you walk after the flesh, you're going to feel some condemnation. Why? Your flesh is weak. That condemnation, that condemnation does not come from the Spirit of God. That's your own spirit saying, hello. I can't go along with that if you're born again. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Your flesh is bound to the law of sin and death and can only be freed by the law of the spirit of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, uh, praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you know, but a man by the name of John Lake just mightily, God mightily used that man. You know, this is like his main scripture he'd use. He would sit and he'd have live tuberculosis that he'd have the doctors put in his hand. And he'd say, okay, put it under a microscope. And you'll watch. And he said, I said, he quote, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And the doctors would watch the organisms in that uh, pus die before their eyes. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So he had it working in his ministry. Well, why is that? Well, because the flesh is bound to the law of sin and death unless it's freed by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So as soon as you're freed from the law of sin and death, that only comes in Christ, and it only comes by walking in the spirit. Now, that's not like, whoo, it can be, whoo, but it's not always, whoo. Do you know what I mean? Now, the Lord uses people in different ways, so if, you know, I love Billy Brim, but most of the time I'm not, woo like this, you know. <laughs> but see, I walk in love. Right. I'm not, I, thank God everybody's not like me. <laughs> I love you. But the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. But don't keep trying to act out of the flesh and, and um, bind yourself to the flesh and discipline yourself in the flesh. And then you're kind of like banging your head against the wall and wondering, why is my head hurting? Right. <laughs> your head is hurting because it's not designed to hit that wall. It's not been made to hit that wall. You're not supposed to try to do it with your head. You're supposed to live out of your spirit. You love out of your spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in your spirit, which is in your body, encased in your body. You are a, you're a spirit. You have a body for sure, 
but you're actually a spirit. The real you is a spirit. When your body goes in the grave, your spirit will never die. You'll spend eternity with God or eternity apart from God, but your spirit will never die. Verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. And just so you know, but I don't want to get off on there too far, but flesh is the Greek word sarks. So that's not just your physical body. It includes your physical body, but it's actually those earthly, worldly desires that you're, not just your body has, but that you have for power for recognition, for, you know, all of those natural things. It's weak through the flesh or the sarks. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, Jesus living a perfect life declared you don't have to live this way. It can be lived better. I'll go before you, and I'll make it possible. Yeah. Only in him. Jesus was not an example for us to follow in, in our own strength, curbing the desires of our flesh. He was an example for us to follow in that he gave his life to God, and then he only did what he heard God say and what he saw God do. Right. He was totally sought out to God. That sounds like being born again. Right. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you, Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life. And now I'm going to follow his direction and his dictates. Amen. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who don't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. In other words, what are we following after? For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. So, uh, one of the best ways to grow and to change is to locate yourself. Like, where am I at? What am I actually believing? What am I actually doing? Well, look at this scripture right here. They that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. So, are natural earthly things foremost on your mind and priorities and finances? Like we said, Billy, Billy Graham said, if you wanna, want me to tell you what you love, let me see your checkbook. Or let me look at your accounts that have money and where the money's going. I'll tell you where your heart is. So they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh. So if you find like, uh, you know, th there's times in life you have to take care. Jesus said, take no thought for your life. Don't take all these cares upon you. Uh, cast all your cares upon the Lord, Philippians says. Well, does that mean you're not supposed to care about anything? No, I think literally if you study it out, it's um, that you don't take any anxious thoughts. You have to take thought of tomorrow, but you don't take the anxiety that those thoughts bring with the possibility with. I said that kind of funny. <laughs> so you can plan for tomorrow. God is the biggest planner. I mean, he's already planned everything. So it's not a sin to plan. It's probably a sin not to plan you got to prepare ahead of time. But you can't let that be an anxious thing that you do. 
What are we going to, about to, what are we going to do about this? Uh, what are we going to wear? We might not, might not have the money to buy clothes. Might not have the money to buy food. You are a mouthpiece for the devil. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. <laughs> Except for I'm trying to be mean to the devil. I don't want his words on your lips because they'll bring a curse on your life. When you're actually the blessed of God. Amen. He's a thief. He knows that you have all of the blessings of God in Christ Jesus and access to all of this. So all he can do is try to steal your rightful place from you. Make you think you're not good enough for that. What a liar. What a fool. He's telling someone who was not recreated by a human or in humanity, but Paul said recreated in Christ Jesus. A new creation never existed before. Corinthians says, actually, one spirit with God's spirit. This is the believer. The one who believes is like God. Well, the devil can't fight against that. If you live conscious of that, he has no power over you. But if he can deceive you, deceive me, into thinking things are not as they really are, they appear differently and get us to act on that, right. he can kill you. Mm-hmm. He can steal from you. Yeah. He can destroy you. He can destroy relationships. Right. You know, you know why they said that? Because <laughs> you're just a mess up. You know why they act that way? They don't love you. The Spirit of God is saying, I love you. They love you. Well, what are you tuned into? What do you allow? Right. <laughs> like a John Osteen, Joel's, Joel Osteen's dad, who went to be with the Lord already. And um, he's, I tell that story, I love that story. He's in the elevator, and they're just cussing up a storm. Blankety blank blank, blankety blank blank. Nah, 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 nah. He said, Are you finished? And the guy was kind of shocked. He said, uh, I, I guess so. He said, well, I demand equal time. Glory to God. God is good. God is my provider. He's full of mercy. He's full of grace, right? You can't, like, you can't let the devil have the last word or someone under the influence of the devil have the last word. No, he's going to say something to you. you. You do what Jesus did. What is that? He spoke the word. This is what the word says. My ideas don't matter. Your ideas don't matter. God's word is a firm foundation. Its perfection has no end. There is no end to the perfection. Psalm 119. There is no end to the perfection of God's word. I've seen an end to all things, except I've never seen an end to the perfection of God's word. And I could testify with David and say, I have never seen an end to the perfection of God's word. The more I walk with God, the longer I serve him, the more I see he knows everything. And I pastor in Michigan, the church we were uh, on staff at. He'd been in ministry for like 30-some years at that point. And he said, you know, after all these years, people say, what's the greatest thing you've learned? He said, the greatest thing I've learned is God knows more than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really true. It's really true. For they that are after the flesh, uh, they mind the things of the flesh. And if you mind the things of the flesh, you're going to stumble in your love walk. 
Because Weiss translation, we talked about last week at the beginning, says it's a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the one loved. So if you actually love the other person, then you're going to bear with the infirmities of them that are weak. But you're not going to do it from, uh, I'm so much better than they are. <laughs> Understand a low life like that, have those issues. <laughs> no, you put yourself like back in that position. I remember when I didn't know. I remember when I couldn't do it. Why? Well, because you're going to yield to the wrong spirit. You're getting the flesh. You don't want to get in the flesh. That brings death to relationships, can open the door to sickness and disease. If you walk in love and keep my commandments, I will take sickness away, not just from your body, from the midst of you. <laughs> Glory to God, that's good. <laughs> like sickness has no place in your house. Right. Sickness has no place around you. It's a thief. It's part of the a tactic of the enemy to get you flesh conscious so that you'll react in the flesh. The flesh is where the enemy, the, the, the flesh yielded to those things is where the enemy has access. He, doesn't, he does not have any access when you walk in love. He is powerless. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. You notice that? When you get in the carnal mind, you start kind of getting agitated. You get over there. It's like you may have, you do have, if you realize they're not, still small voice trying to say, uh, hey, hold on. Don't do that. But you get over there. Mm, it's not subject to the law of God. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, you're trying to satisfy that craving to be right. right. You're trying to satisfy that craving to get what you want. You're trying to satisfy that craving to like get some peace and quiet. <laughs> the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither need can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, we know that anything that's not done of faith is sin, and without faith it's impossible to please God. So that means that you're sinning. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Yet, we try to do it many times in the power of our own flesh, and then we get weak, and burdened down, and you're like, man, it's, a, it's rough being a Christian. This is really hard. I got a lot of weight on me. How you doing? Oh, barely made it through. Don't ask me for one more thing. It's going to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, the Lord gives you illustrations, and I love my, my Evie illustration, riding a bike, you know, on those roads down at the, on the, the island in South Carolina, Hiltman. And, uh, you know, she's riding, and she wants to, Evie, you know, she jumps all the time, and she's done that since she was in the womb. Same thing. Just boop, 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 boop. Melody's belly was always like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so she still jumps. Well, she's riding the bike, so she's like, okay, I'm going to be in front. I want to be in front. I always want to be in front. So she's in front. 
trying to go in the front, and we had set it up that I was in the front, Melody was in the back for traffic because we crossed roads, don't want anybody to get hurt. And so, but she would keep slipping around and going in the front. Say, Evie, not supposed to be in the front. Go, oh, I'm sorry. So she'd go back. Well, after that happens two or three times, she gets sin conscious. I don't know why I keep doing that. Why do I keep messing up? What's wrong with me, right? So then she's down on herself. Don't think of just Evie. Think of yourself and your life, right? So dad sees this. And I said, hold on, everybody. Let's stop. So we all pull off to the side. Evie, let's have a little discussion. I said, Evie, your heart, you have to look in your heart and change your heart that you want to honor us and listen to what we're saying. She made a little heart adjustment. The second she did it, no problem for like 20, 30 minutes. Well, that's pretty good for how long we were riding. And then all of a sudden, one time it popped back up. But I said, Evie, oh yeah, she went back to that place in her heart, not the place of self-discipline. I'm not saying we're not supposed to be disciplined, because that's a fruit of the spirit. But it's not a fruit of the flesh. So you try to be disciplined in the flesh, you will feel like a failure and probably be a failure. Or you try to discipline yourself in the flesh, and you're able to do it to your own satisfaction, you get puffed up with pride. Look at me. Look what I can do. That's like the sin of Lucifer. I will arise above God. So you have to look from to your spirit and yield in your spirit, like you yield to God. You get hungry for God. You follow God. And it'll be like automatic. The love of God flowing through you. Automatic. Because that is in, on the inside of you. And as soon as, just like uh, the young lady who thought she hated her mother-in-law, as soon as she act like she loved her because she's born again so she has the love, she said, it's amazing. I actually don't hate her. She was shocked. <laughs> I really thought I hated her. Well, no, you don't. If, you're, if you are a Christian, you don't hate anyone. You hate sin. You hate evil. But you don't hate anyone. You actually love them. You may feel, just because you feel like you hate someone doesn't mean you hate them. Jesus said that you're not even, don't even say you're born again if you don't love. So you have to, have to come to Jesus' moment. And say, am I a born again or not? And that's what this, this woman did. She was a pastor's wife. Take heed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's a pastor's wife. And she's like, are you saying I'm not a Christian? I've been to Bible school. He's like, well, that doesn't save you. <laughs> I've, been in, I've been preaching. No, that doesn't save you. You must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved in your heart. So you got to kind of check up on it. Like, no, if I believe that, if what you believe is based on what the word says about it, you have the most solid ground because heaven and earth will pass away. The elements that make up all the stuff we see in this room will actually pass away, but the word will never pass away. That is the foundation of all foundations. It is the truth of all truths and it is the reality of all realities. Everything else, like the Bible says, the seen things are subject to change. But the word is not. So you base what you believe on the word. We believe God. 
uh, because the carnal mind is against God, enmity against it for him. For it is not subject to the law, neither can it be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God lives in you. Now if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, you can't follow the dictates of your body. It's dead because of sin. It, it's going to lead you into sin if it gets to have its desires, you know, it's calling the shots. Your body's really a tool. But you're a slave to the one who you yield yourself to, Paul said. So if you yield yourself to the flesh or to sarks to do those things, well, you're a slave to that. You'd be a Christian enslaved to those things. How horrible. Most frustrated people in life are Christians who don't act like it. Because you're trying to live the Christian life under the power of the flesh. You're trying to love from the power of the flesh. Well, flesh is not love. Flesh is selfish. Flesh says, I love you because you're beautiful. I love how you make me feel. I love how I look when I'm with you. Right? That's all flesh. But the love of God says, I love what I can supply to you. I love how I can help you. I love how I can protect you and strengthen you and sacrifice for you. That's exactly what Jesus did. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God had this life that is not of this earthly world. He said, I love so much, I, can't, I don't want to have this just for me. I want to have a family that lives like I live and loves like I love. And you can't live like he lives if you don't love like he loves. Let's turn in closing to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, verse 7, let us love one another for love is of God. Let us love one another because love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Let me read that to you in um, Passion Translation. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. There's a, there's a, a particular minister who I've read after some, and he prayed a lot as a man of prayer, and uh, he'd be in situations where actually the Lord would give him what we call utterance or words to speak. They come from the Lord to say. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people kind of interrupt, start talking. Sometimes the Spirit of God gets grieved like that, and the anointing will leave you, and those words can't be spoken. And instead of him supposing and accounting and counting up, you know what he'd do? He'd just start praying for him. Lord, they don't understand what they're doing. They wouldn't do it if they understood what they were doing. You know, hindering other people from receiving. 
hindering the Spirit of the Lord from flowing. He just had compassion on them. He said, Lord, forgive them. Like Jesus. I mean, they are crucifying him. People crucify you with words sometimes. They are crucifying him. And he's like, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even sounds like Stephen when he's being stoned. That's the love of God and the perspective of God. The love of God will give you his perspective. Uh, Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. Isn't that good? This is love. He loved us way before we ever thought of loving him or had the ability to love him. In other words, he loved us when we weren't lovable. So you think of yourself on your worst day, your biggest mistake where you feel like a failure, you might as well just end it all. No. God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were at our worst point, he looked down and said, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. So much that he said, I'm going to sacrifice my own son so you don't have to live like that. I did not create you to live like that. I created you for dominion. I created you for relationship. I created you for love. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. We says divinely loved ones, let us be habitually loving one another with a divine and self-sacrificial love Because this aforementioned love is out of God as a source. And everyone who in this manner is habitually loving out of God has been born with the present result that he is regenerated and knows God in an experiential way. The one who is not habitually loving in this manner has not come to know God because God as to his nature is love. In this was clearly shown the love of God in our case because his son, the uniquely begotten one, God sent off into the world on a mission in order that we might live through him. God is love. Stand with me as we close. You're going to feel like a complete failure if you try to do this kind of love in your own strength. You have to look to the inside. What do you mean? Well, read on in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And, you know, uh, the inward witness is an inward knowing. It's, a, you know, as if you witnessed an event and someone else said, did you see that? And you said, yeah, I saw that. Well, you have the, yeah, I saw that. The Lord's speaking to you. You look to the inward uh, witness, to the Spirit of the Lord on the inside, to love. Don't look to the flesh. Don't wait until you feel like loving. Don't wait until it's the perfect time to love. Actually, the perfect time to love is the most, it feels like the most imperfect time.
You know, I had a hugely busy week this week. And on Saturday, well, backed up from two previous busy weeks, so <laughs> praise the Lord. So Saturday, was it Saturday? Friday. Friday. So Friday, I had an appointment I had to keep and a really tight time schedule. I need to get some fuel. So I sent Melody to the bank, because in the town, the bank's just across the street. So she walked to the bank while I was fueling up. And I'm kind of thinking, I'm in a hurry. I got to get things done. But I have the love of God on the inside of me. So this young lady was at the car in front of me, fueling up her car, or she wasn't, she was standing there. And she said, do you have a dollar or two dollars or something? I'm late for an appointment in Centerville. We live out in Marshall, so it's like 20, 30 minute drive. And she said, uh, she said, I'm late for an appointment. And I said, well, yeah, I do. But I, I kind of felt something else on the inside. I sent something else on the inside. I said, uh, you just need a couple dollars with the, with the gas? She said, well, maybe I probably need five. She's like, I already got some. I've got like so much in there, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to make it the whole way. And so I said, I said, hold on just a second. So I finished what I was filling up my truck. I finished. And so I said, here, I just put my credit card in. I said, just fill it up. So she puts in, she gets to like, I don't know, $12. She's like, oh, no, it's okay. It doesn't need to be full. It's okay. And I said, oh, so we'll bless you. No problem. Just fill it up. So she filled it up. Your money make room for you, Jesus said. So I said, do you know Jesus? I'm in a hurry. I don't have time for this, right? <laughs> so I said, do you know Jesus? She's like, well, I've been to the Catholic church before. I don't, not exactly. And I said, you know he loves you? He has a plan for you? He wants to be your Lord and Savior. If you just call upon him, we can pray, right, you know? She's like, oh. And so she's turned around to leave, and I said, would you like to receive him right now? And she said, yes, I would. So we prayed right there, and she received the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> so God is on my side. Like, he's following me. Everything's good. So I get back in the car. Melody comes, and she's like, she come up while I was talking to this girl. And Effie's like, uh, she had the wrong, this is not the right theology. She's like, Daddy's getting her saved. I'm like, that wasn't me getting her saved. You know, that was the Lord. But anyhow, so we get in the car, we drive. You know what happened? My tire blew out. 96, 97 degrees. And those stones were probably hotter than that, changing the tire. You know what? I didn't have the right lug wrench because the guy had trucked before me. He got different fancy tires, didn't change the lug wrench. And then we couldn't get the spare tire down. And I'm like, I'm going to be late for this appointment. So I'm in all of this. And I'm kind of like, Lord, what's going on? Don't, uh, we just like yielded to you and took the time and prayed with this young lady. And she received you like, hello. And then I heard my own preaching from three weeks ago. Uh, Paul and Silas in prison, the midnight hour. In stocks, not stocks and bonds, but stocks and chains. And they lifted up their voice to begin to, they prayed and praised. So I thought, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get this, this wheel off, but we need to get this wheel off. I called a, a church acquaintance, and uh, not somebody from this church, but another church. They couldn't help. And I'm like, I got so much time, only so much time. And so uh, how are we going to do this? So I said, then I remember praise. So I said, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to this person. You know what? I had had a problem with my, my little fuel thing had air in it the other day, so I ended up buying a little wrench set. And that little wrench set, I had tried it, but I couldn't get it to work. 
But then once I started praising the Lord, I felt unction. Go try that again. So I tried it, and I got up on that little ratchet. It's only this long. I started jumping on it like this. I got it so it wouldn't break it, you know. And I'm doing this. It hurt my heel a little bit. But you know what? We got the wheel off, and the other wheel finally we got down because there was a thing broke, and we figured out how to get it in and get it down. We got the wheel on, got up there, made our appointment, did the other thing. But what I'm trying to say is love denies itself for the sake of the one loved. Love will put a pause on its schedule. Love follows the Lord. The Lord never will never lead you wrong. He'll always lead you the right way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never been born again, then this love is a foreign uh, subject to you because uh, you don't even know this love. It is possible to love this way. This is not some uh, utopia that you can never reach. This comes from knowing God because God is love and he loves every single one of you. And he paid the price that you don't have to live down here struggling, fretting, being a jerk, worrying. He paid a price so that you could live a life that is full of him. If you'd like to receive him this morning, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And it's not bad. It's an awesome plan. It's a God plan. Number two, if you're here this morning and you, you were a believer, you are a believer, but you just slid back into the things of the world, you let other things take priority so much so that you feel in your heart that you need to come and rededicate yourself to the Lord. Slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I'm, I want to pray for you. God loves you. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We've all made mistakes. And number three, if you're here and you're not filled with the Spirit and you'd like to be, there, Jesus said, wait, before you go out, you wait till you be filled with power from on high. This he was speaking of, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Spirit, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that, that you love us with this agape divine love and that you not only love us with that love, but because you love us with that love, you've given us the ability to love others with your love. Father, I pray this week as we go, as we think about what we've heard from your word and don't let it pass from before us, but put it into practice, Father, as we do that this week, Quicken us, remind us, show us, reveal to us, give us opportunities. Help us to be quick to hear, slow to speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.